In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen. Is the pool open yet in Alexandria? Okay, all right. Well, this is always a big time of year for me. Um, when I was youngster, I, I, when I started high school at Concordia, Milwaukee, I could not swim a stroke. We had no places to swim where I grew up. We didn't move to Minnesota until later, where there's water. And uh, so I, my roommate had to teach me how to swim, and then I, the next year, three years, I was on swim team, became a lifeguard, water safety instructor. That was my summer job all the time. So uh, I'm always excited when the pool opens. I think about that. Jesus was a guy who seemed to like the water as well. When you look at all the stories, how many of them are centered around water? The Sea of Galilee. You know, that's where he walked on the water. He took a boat across to the Gentiles. He, he uh, preached out of a boat. He found his disciples around, you know, fishing. And then the Jordan River where he was baptized and so forth. But in our alternate gospel lesson for today, we have a different body of water. It is the pool of Bethzatha. And this was kind of a special place. I don't know if it had, the water itself had healing properties like, you know, a mineral springs like Hot Springs, Arkansas or something, or, or, or what it was. But there was also this thing where a, an angel would come every once in a great while, unannounced, and stir up the waters. And when the waters were stirred up, it was just like back when I was a lifeguard. Because as soon as we opened the doors, the kids would burst through and they'd jump in and say, first one in the pool, first one in the pool. They thought that was a big deal. Well, it was a big deal at the pool of Beth Zatha because the first one in the pool got healed from whatever demons or problems or maladies or uh, illnesses that they had. They got healed. There was a guy there who had been laying around. There was porticos over it, so a lot of the invalids would lay there because they were kind of protected. And uh, Jesus saw this guy. He'd been ill for 38 years. He couldn't walk. And I don't know what else was wrong with him. But anyway, 38 years. And Jesus looked at him and he said, uh, would you like to be made well? And the guy said, well, yeah. But the problem is I, I, don't, I can't get in the pool fast enough. Every time I try to, somebody aces me out. And they get in there first. And then I, you know, I'm out. And Jesus simply said, rise, pick up your mat and walk. And he was able to stand up, he walked, walked around with his mat. Well, that's all fine. It's a great healing miracle. But of course, you, you had the religious leaders who looked at that and said, they weren't looking at, oh, what a great healing of miracle. This guy had been sick for 38 years. Now he's well. They didn't care about that. They saw him carrying his mat and said, oh, 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 oh. That, no, this is against the bylaws of Judaism. You're carrying a mat, and that means you're working, and working on the Sabbath. It was the Sabbath, and that's, that's a no-no. And by the way, who was the guy who healed you? Because, you know, healing is considered work too. And so that's working on the Sabbath. And we've got to get him too. Well, you didn't know who it was. But anyway, I've looked at this story in the past, and I, I've kind of, I must confess, I've sort of romanticized this guy a little bit. I've sort of put him in the category of the, the, the deserving poor, you know, because I thought, well, he was a guy who believed in the Lord, and he probably, and, and he, you know, had such misfortune, and, and uh, probably a good guy, deserved to be healed. That's not really what the text says. <laughs> I, I think I wanted him to be better than he was. Uh, the text doesn't indicate that he believed in God at all. He certainly had no idea who Jesus was, because when the religious leaders came to him, they said, now who, who did this healing? So, I don't know, some guy. 
And then Jesus came back later, and he told them, I'm, I'm Jesus, I'm the one who heals you. And then he ran and squealed to the religious leaders on Jesus. So he's not a guy, he's not, he's not faithful, he's not thankful, he never even, not grateful, he never even says thanks to Jesus, and he narks on Jesus afterwards. So this is not that great of a deserving guy. So then the question is, so why did Jesus heal this guy? And the answer to that question is at the heart of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The answer is, Jesus healed this man not because he was of the deserving poor, but because, not because of who the man was, but because of who Jesus is. That he was a, a Messiah of grace and mercy. Grace, that word that means undeserved love. He didn't do it because the guy was a, such a nice guy. He did it because he was a God of grace and mercy. He did it for us for the same reason, that he's a God of grace and mercy, the God of the second chance, and the third chance, and the fourth chance, and the 70 times 7 chance. That's why he did it, because that is the heart of God, to love people who don't deserve it, but get it anyway, for good. When I think about this, I think, well, where does that leave us as followers of the Christ? Does it not mean also that we do the same thing? Jesus said, love your enemies. Treat those well who spitefully use you. Well, it's kind of hard to do sometimes. They, they're not the deserving poor. They're kind of undeserving. How, how can we do that? And the other thing I think about with this is, uh, don't, we, don't we kind of make some distinctions when we look at folks to say, these are the deserving poor and these are the undeserving poor? Don't we spend a lot of time making sure in our assistance programs of various kinds, synod-wide, congregation-wide, personally, that, that they're going to people that deserve it? Don't we spend a lot of time doing that? I read in the Living Lutheran magazine a few years back, and I remember this stat, it said that those people who are considered the poor comprise a whopping 2% of all Lutherans. Is that surprising to you? If not, it missed a heck of a chance. I think that maybe we go about this much like I went about things when I was a lifeguard at the private lake. And I was in charge for about a third of the summer, which meant I got to take the safety patrol boat out, you know, with the big red cross on the side and the siren and everything. And I'd take lifeguards to various beaches and then sometimes I would blow the siren and pull people over to do a safety check with them see if they had their seat cushions see if they had their life vests you know and all this and that yeah safety check that was kind of fun uh, but however I'm gonna have to confess this to you when I look back and I think about all of the boats that I pulled over almost all of them were filled with young women in bikinis I never pulled over old folks. I figured they were smart enough and old enough to be safe, you know. I just want you to know that your pastor was concerned about the safety of these young women. And young guys, I thought, well, you know, they, they should get it. Uh, so I was very careful, and I really wanted them to be safe and live for some reason. But I wonder, as I think about it now, was that a little self-serving on my part? 
And I wonder in the church if we do things in a similar way that are a little self-serving for us. I mean, you know, if somebody, we meet somebody, a new family comes in, and we say, well, you know, he's a nice guy. He lost his job downsizing, but, you know, he, he was a hard worker, and he's looking for another job, and she's a lovely person, and their kids are so well-behaved. Yeah, that's great. Well, what if he didn't want another job? What if he just wanted to sit on his dead duff? And what if she wasn't sweet but was kind of a witch? And what if the kids were a bunch of brats? Would, be, would we be so excited then? Would we be saying, let, good, let us get in there and help to transform these folks like God's Spirit has transformed us. Let us be agents of change for them. Let us help them and transform them. Would we be excited for that? Or would we say, I'm not sure what they can do for us. Jesus went to the pool of Bethsaida, which was in the shadow of the temple. And I wonder if people thought they could probably get more help at the magic pool than they could from people in the temple. Jesus went to a guy who didn't deserve anything and gave him everything, just like he did us. Amen. Now may the peace of God which passes all understanding keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Amen.